appreciated the 9.30 service. I appreciate the 11 o'clock service. And I have something very, very powerful to share with you, not from me, but from the Lord. And I want to start by reminding you, you know this story, but I want to remind you of this time where Scripture tells us that when Jesus finished washing the feet of the disciples, that he returned to his place in the midst of them, and he began to speak to them, and he said, I have given you a lesson. I've set an example before you because you call me Master and Lord. And it is true, I am Master and Lord. And now in this experience, he said, I have knelt before you and I've washed your feet. An element of servanthood. And he said, since I, your master and teacher, have washed your feet, then so you must go and wash each other's feet. Now, I want you to realize and think with me that that's not just a statement about washing the feet in this particular experience. Jesus is making a statement about servanthood, about doing to others in humility what is needed, whatever is needed. And he said, you're to wash others' feet and to follow my example. And then he looked at them and he said, and I tell you, there is no servant that is greater than his master. And the final statement of this scene is that he looked at all of his people and he said, since you now know this, if you will put it into practice, then you will be blessed. Now, part of what I want to say to you today is that you and I have the key to blessings. We have the way to unlock the door of the gifts and the blessings from Almighty God. And that key is called obedience. And you and I struggle with that sometimes. I've talked to you about my three S words of Surrender and submission and sacrifice. Well, that's a part of what we are to do and what we're to be as Christian men and women. We're to surrender to the fact that he's God and we're not. And when we surrender to that and when we obey his teachings and his ways, then he pours out blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing to individuals and to families and to church families. And so that's what I come to talk to you about today, that we know what brings his blessings, and that is obedience. It is the result, his blessings are the result of our obedience. Now, there are stories all through Scripture, and I'm going to touch two or three of them just to illustrate that the Scripture teaches over and over and over and over that we, number one, are to obey, and number two, when we obey, we get and receive the blessings and the gifts from Almighty God. There is a story in the fifth chapter of Luke, and we know this story, but in a little bit different form, 
This story in the fifth chapter of Luke is not as well known as in the other Gospels because it has to do with when Jesus was first ministering and he was calling and selecting his people, his apostles, his disciples to follow him. And most of what we know in that story is is that we just know that Jesus was walking by the lake and he saw Peter and Andrew and James and John. And he said, come and follow me and I will, what, make you fishers of men. Now, that is a powerful statement in and of itself. But in the fifth chapter of Luke, it's a bit more involved, similar, but with more details. And I share that with you because maybe you haven't realized this. But in the fifth chapter of Luke, it tells us that Jesus was walking by the the lake of Gennesaret and that he saw two ships or boats along the shoreline there. And the boats belonged to Simon and some of his friends, Simon, who became later Peter. They belonged to these fishermen. And Jesus saw the boats and there was a crowd on the shore. And Jesus decided that he was going to sit in one of the boats and teach or speak to the crowd on the shore. So he turns to Simon and he casually asks Simon, Simon, would you move your boat out just a little bit away from the shore? And Simon did likewise. And Jesus went and sat in the boat and taught for a period of time. And scripture there in the fifth chapter of Luke tells us that when he finished speaking to the group, then he turned to Simon again. And with a bit more emphasis, now remember when he first spoke to Simon, he asked Simon to move the boat out from the shore just a bit. In this second experience where he turns to Simon and he says, Simon, please put your boat out in the depths of the water and let down a net so that we can get a catch of fish. Now, please remember This is a carpenter, Jesus Christ, talking to a professional fisherman. Because there's every chance that Jesus didn't know anything about fishing. And certainly Simon Peter knew about fishing. That was his livelihood and his business. And we do see Simon's response a little bit, a little bit hesitant, a little bit maybe even miffed a bit (laughs) at this man Jesus. Because the scripture says that Simon replied to Jesus, Master, we've been fishing all night long and we have caught nothing. And in that, Simon was saying, I don't think we're going to catch any fish if we put the nets down right now. But then Simon, in some sort of spiritual insight, I guess, because he had spoken to Jesus And called him master. Simon did say to Jesus. But because you have told me to do so. Yes we will put the boat out in the deeper water. And let down the net to see if we catch some fish. And so that is the story. And that that is what happened. Simon put the boat out. They let the nets down. And then all of a sudden the fish were plentiful. The fish were all over the nets. And scripture tells us that the nets were so full that they were not able to hold the fish, that they were breaking the nets. And Simon's there with Andrew and James and John, the other fishermen. 
And Simon calls to the other boat. And scripture tells us that the other boat, now we have two boats that are out in the deeper water, fishing and pulling in, I guess, maybe hundreds of fish. A big load of fish. It says that the nets were breaking and the ships possibly were going to take on water. The, the nets were so heavy with the fish. And so here is a statement. When Simon obeyed, remember we are called to obey. When Simon obeyed, the blessings of the Lord were all these fish that these men were, were taking. And Simon was so uh, impressed or maybe in awe of what Jesus was doing right there. Scripture tells us that Simon fell on his knees before Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, please leave me. I'm a man of sinful nature. And Simon was not sure of what all was going on there. But Simon did see the blessings of all these fish. And Simon had obeyed the man that he called Master and had done what Jesus said. And the final part of this story is, is that it says that Simon and the other fishermen put their boats up on the shore and they came to be with Jesus and Jesus spoke to them and he said to all of those four men, do not be afraid. From this point forward, you will catch men. You will be fishers of men and share the love of Jesus Christ with those that you speak to. So again, we see that obedience is the key to blessings. And they were blessed not only, not only with the fish that they could sell for monetary gain. But they were blessed with the presence of the Lord. <laughs> they were blessed with God and relationship. Jesus Christ and relationship with each of them as fishermen, as they once were, and now they are disciples, apostles, and fishing with, in fact, the love of Jesus Christ. And so the blessings continue to flow. Now, I'm going to go to another story in the Old Testament. And another man that you know the name of, and maybe, and I hope you do know something about, Joshua. Joshua is one of my favorite men in all of Scripture. Because Joshua is followed from the time he was a young man till the time he died at about the age of 140. And Joshua, for most of his life, now I will assure you, Joshua, no, none of the, the men or the women in the Bible were perfect. And so Joshua made some mistakes. But Joshua was a man of loyalty. Joshua was a man of serving the Lord, serving Moses. And Joshua was a man of obedience. And that's why I picked this story to share with you today. Because we, we're not going to follow all of Joshua. That would take way too long. But the first time that we see Joshua is way back when he was just a young man, maybe 25 or 30 years old. And he is a warrior. And he and the warriors of the Israelites were fighting the Amalekites, one of those enemies of God and enemies of God's people. And this is a time when Moses was standing on the mountain and Aaron and Hur were holding up Moses' arms. And every time Moses' arms were up, there would be victory 
Moses let his arms down and they would have struggles and be in defeat. But the end result was Joshua and the Lord with arms up with Moses, they defeated the Amalekites. Now from that point, Joshua and Moses were side by side right on through life because Moses was mentoring Joshua, was teaching him and telling him about God's plan. And they were walking hand in hand with dealing with the Israelites, dealing with the Jewish people. And we know that when they were out in the wilderness, that they were coming toward the land of Canaan, the promised land. And Moses decided that he wanted to send 12, uh, 12 spies into the promised land, into Canaan, and to spy out the land. And Joshua and also his brother Caleb were a part of those 12. We remember those two names because they were godly men. We don't even remember the names of the other 10. Because you know what happened. Those 12 spies went into the promised land and they got frightened. Most of them, 10 of them did. And they came back to Moses and the leaders and the people of, of Israel. And they said, we can't go in there. We're going to get crushed. We're going to get defeated. The other 10 said, we felt like we were grasshoppers. We were so small. There are giants in there and the walls are heavily fortified and the cities are ready for war. And, and so these other 10 were saying, no, 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 no. What was Joshua and Caleb doing? They were saying, yes. Remember, Joshua is a man of obedience. And Joshua is saying, yes, because why can we go into the land and why can't it be ours? Because God said so. And God had ordained for the people of Israel to have that land. But you know the end of that story, which is a tragic, sad story, because they did not go into the promised land at that time. The ten and the negativity of the people won out. They did not obey. And God was angry. And God said to them, all of the adults, I'm going to let die. You're going to die as you wander through the promise. I mean, wander through the desert, wander through the wilderness. For 40 years, they wandered. Now, where was Joshua during these 40 years? He was right there in the midst of them, remaining loyal and faithful and believing in Almighty God, obedient to the very end. And now Moses dies at the end of that 40 years. Never having entered the promised land. Moses did not get to go in. Because Moses had disobeyed at several points. And now Moses has died. And in the first chapter of the book of Joshua. God says to Joshua. Now Moses is dead. And you and the people of Israel. Are about to go into the promised land. And God said to Joshua. Every place that you put your foot will be yours. Your territory will stretch from the desert in the south to Lebanon in the north, from the great river Euphrates on the east to the great sea on the west. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a second. 
Because I want you to think if you've heard any of that description in current present day news. Yes, because there's a big conflict over what belongs to Israel, what belongs to God's people. Well, God determined that a long time ago. God determined that with Abraham, and now he's redetermining that with Joshua, that your land, your territory, is from the desert in the south to Lebanon in the north, from the great river Euphrates on the eastern side to the great sea on the west. Now, I will say to you, and this is godly truth, all of that belongs to Israel. Why and how? Not because of any political or treaty, but God said. God said all of that. So if you take the West Bank and Gaza, that's all a part of what belongs to God's people, the Jews. And so now Joshua is being blessed with not only this beautiful land that they were about to go in, the promised land, the land of milk and honey. And why was Joshua getting this privilege? Because Joshua was a, was a man of obedience. He had obeyed the Lord and Moses and all the needs and all the ways of God for so many, many years and days. Now he was getting this wonderful blessing. And so we see, and you know some of the rest of this story, because Joshua took the people into the promised land. And please remember, they were standing on the side of the Jordan River in full flood stage. And God told them to go put their feet in the water and the waters would fold back and they would go across on dry land. And that's exactly what Joshua and the priest and the Jewish people did. Joshua and all the people went into the promised land and there were still battles to be won. There were still enemies, the Amalekites and the other ites that were enemies of the Jewish people. And so for really years, Joshua and the people were blessed. You, you remember the, the Battle of Jericho, an absolute miracle. Why? Because of Joshua being a man of obedience. God was there. He was with them. And he had assured Joshua all along. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, now, please remember that God says that to us, to all of his people. And even a miracle, are you aware that the sun stopped one day as they were fighting in uh, Joshua and the Israelites were fighting in the promised land? And God stopped the sun. Maybe the only time in history that something like that has ever happened but a miracle for the benefit of Joshua and the people of, of God, the Israelites. Why? Because of obedience. When we obey, we get the blessings of God. And that is part of what I believe that God says to this day. And last week, I turned to the book of Haggai, and I was pleased to share this powerful story from the prophet Haggai in the Old Testament. And we saw this group of Jewish people that had been in captivity for 60 or 70 years in Babylon. And now this remnant of Jewish people came back to Jerusalem. Just to review this story shortly, 
but to apply it to what we're talking about today. They came back to Jerusalem. But when they came back to Jerusalem, they were lazy, to just be real honest with you. They were wrapped up in their own personal preferences. They were wrapped up in the selfish desires. And they came back to Jerusalem that was in utter destroy, destruction. Everything was down. The houses were down. The walls were down. The temple was down. And part of what they were allowed to come back to Jerusalem for was so that they could rebuild the temple. Well, what did they do when they came back in 537 B.C.? They laid a foundation for the temple. They built the altar. But then they stopped. They did no more because they were interested in their own personal pursuits. And the temple, for 17 years, they were living in Jerusalem, this remnant of God's people, and not building the temple. But then Haggai, under God's leadership, came and spoke to them, spoke to these, these fellows, Zerubbabel, who was a, a political leader, and Joshua, another Joshua, who was a high priest, a religious leader, a, a godly leader. And Scripture tells us in the book of Haggai that this stirred up the spirit and the hearts of Zerubbabel and of Joshua and of all the people, and they began to work. Uh, they began to work on what? They began to work on rebuilding the temple. And they began to work because God commanded them to work, because God said there in the first chapter of, of Haggai, He's, no, this is in the second chapter where he says, you are to work. You're to work and you're to work because I am with you. And that's what we talked about last week. So here again, as they're working, what is the blessing that they get? Well, they first get the presence of the Lord. The presence and the power of Almighty God because they're obeying. And then I want to read you this last section that I shared with you last week and say just a word about this because this is in the second chapter of Haggai, verse 6 through 9. If you haven't read it, go back sometime and read it. It is a powerful, meaningful statement. It is a statement from Almighty God to the people. In fact, in these three verses, there are nine references to the Lord saying, I I am going to do this. I am going to do that. Or he's saying, I'm doing this, declares the word of the Lord. There are nine of those kind of references because this is the blessings. These are the blessings that these people are getting because they have finally come to the point of obedience. And it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Now, what does all that say? And I'm... Moving toward conclusion. But please don't miss it. Because there are blessings upon blessings upon blessings. Now that passage of scripture has all sorts of implications. 
It has political implications. It has historical implications. In other words, it fits into history. It fits into the politics of that time in about 520 B.C. But it also has messianic implications, meaning when he talks about the blessings and all that's happening and all that will come to the people of God, he's talking about the blessings of the Messiah, Jesus Christ coming now. It was still 500 years before Jesus came, but this is a prophecy related to this. And it also has, and I get to use my one big word if I've used a time or two, that I only know one big, huge word, and it's eschatological. I want you to get impressed, okay? Eschatological. What does it mean? It means having to do with end times. And so this prophecy, these blessings that are coming to God's people are applicable even to the eschatology which means end times, the, the coming of Jesus Christ and his second coming that we yet to have experienced. So there are all sorts of implications in this passage of Scripture. But before I conclude, I'm going to say again what I said last week. I believe that in the midst of where we are at King's Grand Baptist Church and in the midst of what we have voted to do in the midst of our vision team working diligently, in the midst of us reaching out to our community, in the midst of all that God is doing in this place, I believe this passage of Scripture in Haggai, the second chapter, verses 6 through 9, is absolutely applicable to this place. And I'm pointing right to the center of this aisle, right to the center of this building, right to the center of the church which is you and you and you and you and you and you, the people. And I am saying that I believe that God is saying that he will shake this community. He will bring about what is desired for his glory in this place. He says that he's going to put glory in this place. I have said to you last week, I believe the glory that God is going to put in this place is the people the people that he loves and that he wants to love and that he wants to reach with the truth of Jesus Christ. I believe, as it says, that the gold and the silver is his. Yes, we've got to have, we've got to be ready for people as we reach out. And so that's going to take money. Well, that becomes a part of you and me and our commitment to the Lord. And he said that, the glory in this present house is going to be greater than the glory in the former house. Now, remember, we have celebrated. I will celebrate. I do celebrate. We will always celebrate what King's Grant Baptist Church has been for 60 or 70 years and the former leaders and pastors that have been here. Absolutely. Not to take away from them in any form or fashion. However, in God's plan, we are moving forward. And I believe this scripture says that as we move forward and as we do what he's leading us to do, that his glory and his goodness will be greater in what's coming than what has been here in the past. 
And then that final statement, wonderful blessing of his presence, of his freedom, of his Plus, salvation given of to all of what he says. He says that in this house, I will place peace. And that is a gift from Almighty God through Jesus Christ. And I am saying that in our obedience, when you and I, staff, everybody, will commit ourselves to the Lord and obey, then I am certain that this is his promise to King's Grant Baptist Church. I want you to think about that for a minute. And then I have one other quick thing to say to you and one other quick announcement. What I want to say is, as you leave here today, you have heard two avenues of ministry. Very, very important avenues of ministry. We have the winter shelter coming up in just a few weeks. These are people from our community that are needful, and we can minister to them. Yes, to some of their physical needs, but yes, to their spiritual needs. And we need people, you, old, young, anyone. Please see Scott. Please see, please make yourself known for the winter shelter. And the second thing of ministry and of service is what Ryan Anderson presented to you. The vision team has been launched. And I use that term with power and with excitement because they are doing a diligent job. And they are working and they are producing and they are wanting to reach out to your neighbors, as Ryan said. So please, right out in the foyer, there's a place to talk with them, to find out more information. And it is a place where I, we are asking you to serve with us. And this is very important. Now, one more thing before I pray. We have a young man. And he's in the congregation, and he's about to leave us. We have decided that we have people that come and go. And that's very, very difficult on one level, but very good on another level. So we have young people, we have families, we have lots of folks that come and go here in the fellowship. And Max, I want you to stand up for just a minute. This young man, Navy... And they send them where they choose to. <laughs> and Max, we understand that you're about to go to Chicago. And then you'll end up in Florida. Am I correct? I want to be sure of information. And you're going to be involved in explosive, uh, putting it safe so that nobody else gets hurt. Well, God bless you, brother. <laughs> And we will pray for you. Thank you for being a part of King's Grant Church for these days. God bless you. Yeah, please give him a hand. And please, please, when I say this, this is not me that says all this. These... This is the Lord speaking to all of us. And so I just have the privilege, and it is that, of telling you what I know to be the truth. That our obedience is the key to his leadership, his presence, his power, and his blessings.
but it's up to me and you to obey. And so I ask that as we have this closing prayer, that you just think about that in the Lord's presence very, very deeply and carefully. Let's pray, please. Father, we thank you. Goodness, we thank you. You are so good to us. You give us such opportunities. You give us such good callings. You give us such good gifts. And we are called to obey you. You are our Heavenly Father. And you are Master and Lord. And Jesus, we live in your love and in your forgiveness. And we are blessed with your presence through the Holy Spirit. And we're blessed with fellowship and with love and with good relationships. And so we come to thank you for the blessings. And then we come to commit ourselves to living with the key to the blessings. And that is our obedience. We confess that sometimes we fall short. But I do believe that the reason that we're here is because we want to be the people that you want us to be. We want to serve. We want to obey. We want to see your plans. We want to move forward and what you have for King's Grand Baptist Church. And we thank you that we can. Bless these people as they go. Bless them with the peace and the presence of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Go in peace.